Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to the Inspiration Hour with Luce in Mac. As we inspire by sharing real people's stories and their exhilarating journeys. We all learn by sharing our gifts and talents through the power of talking with one guest at a time. Get cozy, get your favorite nighttime drink, and let's get ready to be wowed with inspiration. Hola, mi gente. Buenas noches. So today is my birthday, and it was such an amazing weekend. And wanted to start tonight with a special guest. And it's kind of like a birthday present to myself. And let's be honest, the Inspiration Hour with Luz is not just only talking about the amazing opportunities I had to meet people, but it's always to keep inspiring, keep pushing, keep believing. And this is what my guest is. So let me share a little bit about her. After going from a stay-at-home mom to award-winning activist filmmaker, top 100 podcaster, and to sought-after Fortune 500 speaker, Denise Soler Cox uses her experience to transform lives through storytelling. In 2014, she co-founded Project Enye, a multimedia production company whose purpose is to transform how we think about culture, identity, and what it means to belong. In September 2020, Denise was recognized as a featured host by Apple Podcasts North America for her podcast, The Self-ish Latina. With listeners in 32 countries, Denise has been invited to speak on over 150 stages, including two TEDx talks, and has worked with some of the world's most recognized brands like Microsoft, Facebook, LinkedIn, J.P. Morgan Chase, Salesforce, Procter & Gamble, Dow Jones. You guys get it. She's worked with a lot of great companies, okay? So let me just say that. But she's also my mentor and is someone that I have to just throw this in her bio because she doesn't really need me to throw this in. She's the person that got me to believe in myself and call myself an author. So Ooh. let me just sum it up and say, Denise is a badass Latina. You guys need to know about her. She has a lot of great uh, projects coming soon, so I need to mention that. She is working, well, she's currently in production in her second feature-length documentary about secret, uh, the secret keeping in the Latinx community, which I can't wait to see once it's out, and also working on a book about belonging, winter of 2021. So, Sometime soon that comes out, and I can't wait to get that. So, Denise, how are you? I'm oh great. <laughs> Happy birthday. You are my birthday present. Did you know that? That is so sweet. <laughs> you just said that. I love it. That is so, so kind. And wow, what a great honor to be your birthday present. Well, I kind of manifested it because what I did was, it was so funny. When I was asking 
my tribe, my people. Hey, I started a podcast. I would love to have you as a guest. I said, I want Denise to pick the eighth. And I said it before I sent it out. And when you pick the eighth, I'm like, of course, this is the same woman who says, I want a coffee and it disappears. She taught me about (laughs) 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 You have me like manifesting shit I can't even think of. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So as you guys can tell these are just like in sync. She's a mentor. She's down to earth. I love her. But instead of me just saying how much I love you and gushing, you know, can you talk <laughs> a little bit about who you were before you became all this? Oh, all God. this. Um, and how, so, how and what transformed you? Yeah. So I, so um, it's so interesting. I feel like I was the same person, but then a totally different person altogether. Um, yeah. I, and I feel like you could probably understand that with so many of your successes that you're having. It's like, um, you know, there's the version of you that has the ideas, but, or I'll speak for myself. I had the idea, but I didn't have confidence. Yes. And then one day I just decided I'm going to do it without confidence. And then I gained confidence while it was all happening. And then, of course, being on the other side, it's interesting. Um, uh, you know, I'm making a new film and uh, writing the book. And um, it's like the, the higher we climb, the more aspirations we have, the more that confidence kind of keeps or the lack thereof or like the questioning, the imposter syndrome, all that stuff. Um, you know, it still comes up in spades, and that's how I know I'm still in the game and going for something big. And the only difference between now and then, or then and now, is that if it stops me, it stops me for a moment or two, or maybe 10 minutes at the worst a day, um, versus 17 years holding on to an idea and not yeah. acting on it because I just was too afraid. I'm so glad that you brought up 17 years holding on to an idea because some of us, and and I'll just say some of us, because some people have an idea in their head, they're wrapping their head around it. How am I going to go about it? But we think when we see people actually doing it, like, oh, I can't be that person. And I know we laugh about it all the time, right? Because you always like, you know, like, uh, you said something in our, well, EDA was still going on. So EDA is an accelerator program that Denise was uh, having for, she did it for a couple of years. And that's how I uh, started being mentored through her. She always said, you know, the bigger the push, the bigger you're breaking levels and going to a next level. So that was something I always remembered. But going back to the analogy when people say, I have this idea and see other people going for it, they usually be like, oh, that, that can't be me. Oh, no, no. I Like all these reasons just start piling on. And you taught something very powerful. And it's about acknowledging all the no's. Like every, every bad idea that comes into your head of why you can't do it. Can you talk a little bit about why you was so thoughtful and saying like, we need to acknowledge that big elephant in the room in your head that's telling you not to do this. 
Um, yeah. So let me see if I understand the question. Do you mean like acknowledge acknowledging like the gravitational pull to like not do anything, or do you mean yes. like the? Yes. Sorry. Is that it's like the why I shouldn't do this. Let me like I know it's happening. Like I keep having like this to do, like this list of like all the reasons why I shouldn't try for it. Yeah. And every time people are scared to share that stuff, but you were like so great at saying like no, let's talk about it. What is that list if you want to share? Oh, I see. I see. I know what you're talking about. Well, yeah. Well, first of all, I think one of the things. I wish I knew, and there are a few other people doing it, but it's like, I think we should all be more honest about that internal dialogue, like, because it is shared. It is not personal. So my uh, biggest challenge during the 17 years between um, having the idea to make the film, I was only 26 years old when I had the idea, but then waited for 17 years because I really believe that I was alone in my struggles. Like, I just couldn't imagine anyone having it harder than me. <laughs> or, like, <laughs> suffering more than me, you know? It's the yeah. craziest thing to even say out loud. And so now I think it's important to say, like, I was talking about, I was, like, doing a Q&A the other day. It was, in, it was my first international screening. Um, and so to eight countries. So there were eight countries Lord, that's amazing. yeah on live and there was a Q&A and we, we literally started at 8 a.m mountain standard time so that our moderator in India could be live it was 7 p.m for her and then you know Poland Russia the UK Australia France like all these countries right and um someone asked me a question like how I got over my imposter syndrome and I said I have never gotten over it, actually. You know, <laughs> like it's right believe. here. Yeah, like, <laughs> hi, nice to meet everybody. Like, I, it, it travels with me. It's not, I think sometimes we, we believe, I certainly did, um, that as soon as it goes away, as soon as that feeling goes away, then I'm going to be so free to do this thing, except for it didn't go away and it doesn't go away. Now, sometimes it's, down. Sometimes I'm able to, and I think experience helps with this, you know, like, uh, it just like helps you. I've been here before. I've been here before. I'll be okay. And then like, you can literally believe yourself. Right. But sometimes I can say, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm okay. And then I'm not okay. And I still do it anyway. And so, um, it's just an old friend. And oftentimes I'll compare that, you know, to like me as a little girl, like wanting to make sure everything is okay. And, um, and like, so it's, it's not anything that I've ever experienced that goes away. And so I think it's important to always be honest that about that fact and to share all of the, you know, ugly dialogue that we tell ourselves, um, that we know we're not alone because, you know, there are some really successful people out there and when they're honest about it, it's like, you gotta be kidding me. You deal with that too, you know? And it's comforting, not because, you know, we all suffer, but it's comforting because it makes us normal, you know? Yeah. I had a writing teacher that I recently um, uh, finished a class with him that he said, I take great comfort to know everyone's not normal. 
and oh, he would gosh. laugh after he said that. And I was like, wow, that's, that's kind of weird. And he'll start the class like that, like talk about your normal and talk about that. And it like really, you know, it made me feel that peace knowing like everyone is going through something different. Everyone is working towards a different challenge in writing. And it was a screen playing class. So it was, it was, it was just like a, it was like a beautiful share. And he actually likes when people share, um, like weird stuff. Like, like, I, I, and I'll give you an example. Like, for example, I love to stare at chiropractor videos. Like, I really feel like in my past life, like I was going to be one because I like, like the crunch wow. when they snap people's necks and stuff like that. And I'm like, oh, and, you know, you shouldn't trust me, like, if I'm behind you because I'll try to pop your back. But, like, uh -huh. he was sharing <laughs> and he likes, like, a, like, weird, like, like cheese conventions and it made me think like huh like and, uh -huh. it, and, and I thought it was like just like you said it's a good share to know how what makes us all normal and human like yeah. that was a like for me that was like my moment like oh my god everyone is freaking weird as me like I like the videos <laughs> I know I'm making you laugh with this but it's the truth right like yeah. the more we think and the more we're grounded that we're more alike than different, the more connected we could be. And maybe like leave the the imposter syndrome or walk away from the fear of the unknown, right? Because we're like noticing people are going to connect to us if we embrace right. it. I mean, or just like it's, it really is like the monster under the bed. Like even oh, yeah. though I know, like I've stayed in, you know, before the pandemic, I would stay in all these hotels. And I like full like disclosure. I would look under the bed. Like if the bed, if I could look under the bed, I would look under the bed. You know, I was looking for the strange person hiding under the bed, right? And so like I'm an adult, and it's still like a fear. And but the thing is, we all know there's no monster under there. But I still check, and I feel a little bit of anxiety. And so we know it's not there. It's but it's still a legit fear. But the more people at now, like, oh my god, I do that too. Or sometimes. When I'm traveling, if I don't have enough natural light that comes into the room and the room is so dark, I'll leave a light on. And, you know, but these are just like these fears that we have. And as much as we want them to go away, they just won't. And so might as well. Um, so it's okay, in other words, to share them and to have them kind of coexist with us. They don't take away our power unless we hold them as secrets. You know? Um, but yeah. as soon as we share them, they begin to lose their power. And then it's just, you know, like I said, it's, you know, I can tone it down. Like it's a volume on an old stereo. Like instead of being 10 out of 10 loud, I can tone it down sometimes to a two or maybe a three. Um, I'll still hear it, but it won't be as um, intrusive. Let's say. Yes. You know? So, yeah. I... You know, I'm so happy I found you. I feel like you helped so many individuals, especially Latina women or Latinx women, feel affirmed through the community you've built uh, through Project Enye. And I feel like Project Enye is much bigger than just what it is. You know, like I feel like it's a inspiring group, a group of individuals that are like working really hard to, you know, 
embrace their Latinidad at the same time going for what they want. And I wanted to know what was the push that made you create Project Enya in the first place? Yeah, so that, so like I said, I had the idea for the film. Um, it was, you know, it didn't happen like in a field that I was running through with my arms extended, you know, singing some of the music songs. It was like I was hanging out with a bunch of my friends in North Miami Beach. It was like it was like no nothing special. It was like any other night. There was nothing like we weren't celebrating anything. It was just a bunch of friends hanging out, getting drinks, eating appetizers, and BSing around the table. And that night, I realized um, like I so kind of um, connecting what I'm saying now to what we were just talking about. I suffered in silence about my identity and feeling really disconnected from my Latinidad and feeling really disconnected to um, my roots because I felt like when I went to Puerto Rico to visit my family, I was in the gringa and then I was dealing, you know, with like the adult aftermath of having been bullied and how stifling it is to be bullied, especially about your culture. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. um, and then just like general, like, who am I? Where do I belong? general, I would say, garden variety identity questions. And so, but again, I didn't, I thought it was just me and I thought it was petty and silly and like nobody would give a crap if I told them. Uh, But then we started talking about it, but we were talking about it like a joke, like making fun of our parents' accents. Like, how does your parents say expressway? And then we would say expressway or we would talk about like, uh, I remember we said like, um, my parents used to say wind shield factor instead of wind chill factor. Do you know what I'm talking about? No, I get it because, so this is a funny story and I know we've talked in the past, but I didn't learn English till I went to college. Like I got oh away God. with not knowing English at all. I mean, I, I grew up in Washington Heights. I mean, I, I was born in Dominican Republic, came here like around six or seven. Everything uh-huh. was Spanish as, uh, uh, you know, Spanish first language and then English as a second language. But the teachers had to know Spanish. So I was like, yeah, this is easy. And then uh-huh. when I went to college, I remember being made fun of because I had a hard time saying yellow and jello. Like, oh. I thought it was the same thing. I'm like, this is, like, English is so confusing. There's jello and jello. Like, which one is it? And then, um, and this is, this is where I'm really going to bring it home when I felt, like, really awkward being in college and growing up Mormon. Um, there was a very strong suggestion for me to take a dialect class to learn to flush out my accent. And oh, wow. I remember, yeah, and this is not something I really, you know, spoken of like vividly, but uh, I, I I was really into like theater and like art and all these classes. I mean, like, you know, you're not surprised, but the, mm-hmm. I remember a teacher telling me this will benefit you so much because people won't have such a hard time understanding you. Oh. Like you'll uh-huh. have, um, just fake like you know English a lot. And I never forgot that. But yet I was in a community that was less than 5% minority, meaning Mm -hmm. Asian, Indian, Hispanic, and Blacks. 
and Islanders. Yeah. Everyone else from the 9,000 students, they were white. So to hear that statement over and over again about like, what are you? Like, you're like mm. the first black woman that sounds like Hispanic. And I was like, oh God. But oh. it was it was funny because not in like in a hilarious way, but it really made me think about like, you know, I used to make fun of my mom when she was learning English and she'll always say, pass the beso. And I'm like, I am that. I am that person. Like I had such a hard time. But yeah, it's we all experience it and we all grew up with it, you know, because we were all learning how to live in this country. Yeah. Yeah. So here so here we are around the table and we're making fun of our parents like jerky young people do. <laughs> no, I still make fun of my mom. <laughs> I haven't given up. <laughs> and then the thing is, is like, I was like, wow, this is so funny. Like I thought, you know, cause it's unless, until we start sharing about these things that we just never talk about, we really do believe we're alone. And some of the things it doesn't matter that I felt alone. Right. But then some, but then as the conversation evolved, it mattered greatly that I realized I wasn't alone because it went from these silly, um, funny things to more serious things. And, yeah. um, and then I realized, oh my God, like literally my whole life, I thought, um, I was alone. Like I, I just believed that to be true. And there was no, you know, YouTube, uh, in 1996. And if there was, it was just an idea because it didn't exist. There was no place for me to go Google something. There was no Google. And so I I didn't have a a place to kind of get any context about this stuff and, um, and kind of be alone in the room doing research. (laughs) Like, like being out with my friends at a bar was like what my contextualized version of this was. And thank goodness, because that night I realized, um, that I wasn't alone. And the thing is, is that I realized it so profoundly that I changed my whole life. I changed my whole way I was looking at my life. Um, up until that moment, I felt deeply alone and isolated when it came to my cultural identity. And after that night, I felt deeply connected and a part of things. And it was so profound that I started writing on napkins um, the things that people were saying and ideas that were kind of channeling through my mind and my heart. And I decided that night that I would make a movie um, about it because I wanted to make sure that other people could experience this truth, this like life truth, which was that you weren't alone. We're not alone. And, and, and especially when it comes to this particular kind of set of uh, cultural circumstances where the diaspora, um, regardless if you're born in that, you know, country, um, but, you know, but the diaspora, of which you are a part of, you know, yeah. came there, came here, um, that there is, there is a common experience, and we can feel connected and grounded in that versus feeling the way that I did, which was disconnected and not grounded. And no one likes to feel like that, you know, so that's where the idea was born. Denise, why is it that like you know how to make me cry? Like, is like I was like, I, I was talking to Edie, saying like I need an hour to get ready to talk to Denise on my podcast, and now I'm like, screw the questions. Like, Denise, you brought me back to church. Like, yeah, like you made me feel like embracing my luchiness and like 
I belong. Because I think that's the heart of it, you know. And I introduced you to um, to Catherine, uh, a, a friend through who is the co-founder of Power to Fly, as the queen of belonging. And that's uh-huh. who you really are. Like you know how to tap to make people feel like we're belong, like we're together, like we're like there's no. There's no like being left out. There's no like you make sure you're connect you're making those connections and celebrating our Latinidad in the room. Like a lot of people like I I don't know if you heard the term culture ad, but you yeah. bring like Latin Latinx ad. Like wherever uh-huh. you're at, add that. <laughs> <laughs> like uh-huh. I, I you know, and and and, and I think um that's really profound to me because Thank it's you. it's changed my world that I could probably say I'm an author and I'm Latina and I love it, you know, like, and it's weird and, and it's, it's weird and it's tasty and it's me, you know, but yeah. let's celebrate it, you know? Yes. Yes. That's beautiful. I love it. Cause you would think like that, you know, I, I think that's such a precious thing and thank you so much for saying that. And like, um, I, I would never think in a million years before this that someone would consider someone like me that, in that role. And that's the gift of being able to kind of embody that desire, like our desires. And in this case for me, like I've got to make this movie. I don't know how I'm going to do it. You know, and I grappled so much with not feeling enough. And, um, and then boom, um, it happened, you know, and of course with like lots of hard work and all the things that come with you know making a movie um and and then like this you know then people start calling me that or start you know feeling that connection um and that's like a huge gift it's a, it's such a cherry on top type gift that people would feel a sense of belonging around you and um since that's the one feeling i always had as a kid that i didn't experience you know and that i can help provide that it's such a beautiful thing and I think it's available to anybody. Yes. Yes. Like you, you make it so easy, by the way. Like you make us feel like, yes, we could, we can be this. We can feel like this all the time. Not like, this is not just like a one conversation because you, you and your community, what you do on Facebook live, what you do on Instagram live, you make us aware of who we are. But at the same time, how we could, um, like I said before, make sure like we bring that to the table. Like don't leave any part of us out of it. So we could feel like we we have enough of an opportunity to be in whichever space we want to and not Mm -hmm. think like we have to do something different or be someone different. I wanted to know a little bit about your closest friends and family um, when you started that beautiful, you know, documentary to Project Enya to to the community, what did they think of everything? Like, did you ever have a moment like with your family, like trying to explain what you're doing, and they were like, "I don't get it," <laughs> or "Can I help you?" or "I'm excited for you," and I have to ask because I know when I started writing. My my brother was like, ¿Y por qué tú vas a hacer eso? Like he didn't understand. Oh, 
and not in a bad way like he's like like that sounds like a lot of work like are you sure (laughs) yeah yeah I think so I feel so my I think for me my family didn't really know what I was doing like they were just like what is she doing and and like sometimes you have to do and this is my opinion there's some things that are um that work better when you contain the energy you know oh that's so, true like and i'm not saying not to tell people because i do think it's important to share but like with the right people with like yes people with your cheerleaders front row oh my gosh the police the people that think the highest of you you know those people should know all your biggest dreams and then there's some people that are just going to scratch their head and could potentially derail you and unfortunately, sometimes those people are your family. And um, and it could go two ways, I see it. Like one way, which is like, oh, how are you going to do that? You don't have time. Um, you know, the, you never, you know, who, who, you know, pick your thing that people say, that family members say, because they do know all of our stuff, right? Um, yeah. Or you could just plain old not be interested. Like, oh, that's nice. And then really nothing. And then, and then that nothingness is like, wait, but this is a big deal for me. And then. Um, and so I was, my, uh, experience was more like nothing. (laughs) 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 And, uh, which is like, okay, that's fine. Like, I don't, you know, part of the whole journey is, um, and especially if you're Latino is like a lot of our identity is so wrapped up in who we are, um, in relationship to family. And I'm yes. not saying that that's a bad thing. I am saying, however, that when you want to do something out of the family's typical, like, work, let's say, like, you know, if my family had a Mexican, I don't and I'm just, or like a Puerto Rican restaurant, and then one day I'm like, I'm going to make movies, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. that, it's like my big factory wedding, you know what I mean? Like, she went off and she's doing her own thing and they're like wait you don't want to work at the restaurant anymore you don't want to do this you don't want to be with us anymore like that film is so it's so close to how our culture responds to doing something similar so like my family doesn't own a Puerto Rican restaurant but there was like you know things that we do we go to college we go to jobs we get you know uh get the secure job with the benefits and we don't leave stuff like that and so I've had a little bit of a different turn it was like you know, people scratching their heads, wondering what Denise is doing and how it's going to work out and if she's going to be okay and how are the kids and all this concern. And sometimes I think that it's, um, and so when you're kind of, and it's not breaking away, but there's really no other way to describe it. But breaking away from those expectations can be really hard and really lonely. And, but mm-hmm. the gift is, is that you learn that you can provide, I don't know, like that, that, that you're that you can be okay even though that's happening in the background. And so for me, you know, like my mother actually wrote me a letter before, right in the very beginning of uh, the project, and and stopped talking to me. Um, she didn't talk to me for a full year, and it was directly mm-hmm. related to the movie, and um, and her fears about the movie. And so I knew, okay, if I if I stop working on the movie, then I get the relationship with my mom. But I, I'm not doing anything bad. I'm making a movie about validating an experience for millions of people. It has nothing to do with her. But sometimes our families can make 
or juxtapose their interests on top of things that don't need to have a relationship, you know? And so I made a decision that, um, that she was allowed not to talk to me, but that that wouldn't interfere with what I was doing. And I know that that sounds super hard and hopefully most people will never have to worry about dealing with yeah. something so difficult. Um, but the first, the first scene in my film had my mom in it because I called her and said, hey, I know we're not talking. You're not talking to me, but I'm still making the movie. And, uh, and I'd like you to be in it. And if you want to be in it and show me where I grew up in the Bronx, um, then please let me know. Because I'd, I'd love for, I'd hate for this to get in the way, you know. And she did. And we started talking again. And so, and then, you know, I have a joke that before the pandemic, if I was doing a screening in New York City or anywhere within 300 miles, because she did show up at a screening in Boston, she okay. would show up. She would grab the mic at the at the Q and A, and like you, you would have, I have to wrestle her down to get the mic out of another chance. <laughs> That's so cute. So I have to admit that. Really What's that? that? I have to admit that's what made me like connect to you the most the scene with your mom because uh when I first started writing I didn't share with my family by the way um and it was because a co-worker had pushed me to write my poems because I first the first book uh I wrote and I actually shared because uh I write better in Spanish was a book of poems and Uh I wrote the book and published it and I never shared it with anyone and mm. people started finding out about the book slowly and I was really afraid I was really afraid because my mom was a Spanish teacher and, uh, you know there was a lot of feelings that I wrote there about like so many things that mean a lot to me and I just I was so scared if she didn't like it and yeah. I remember when she found that book of poems, she's like, this is actually good. Like, <laughs> you were feeling all this? Like, oh. we could have talked about it. And it was just uh-huh. kind of like, it was, it was, it was, it was kind of like an eye-opening moment that I could have that conversation with her, but I wasn't sure. But it's also what it means to be Latina. Like, you're... You know, I'm like, what, 41 and I still fear my mom and what she thinks. <laughs> I still cook for her. I still cook for uh-huh. her just so she can say she doesn't like it. But it's my mom. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to ask a couple more questions before I close the show. What advice do you have for younger Denise? If you were to look back with everything you know now, what advice you would give yourself? I would, the number one advice I would give myself is listen to that knowing that you have in your heart that you've proven so many times and stop, stop listening to your head and listen to your heart. It will never steer you wrong. And how can we support you? Well, thanks for asking. So the best way to support me and the project and really the whole movement of the of the of Project Enya and our commitment to telling telling stories of the diaspora like all over the world is to see the film and go to projectenya.com, projectenye.com, and there's a place where you can put your email and the movie will appear. You can watch it. 
and suggest that your place of work bring us in to see the film and bring me in to be a speaker and start powerful conversations around belonging. Uh, because what I realized after five years of the film being out is that it's sort of dead end in asking, how do we create belonging? How do we create this for everybody? How do we make sure that people can really live and exist and work and exist in community and relationships, knowing that they belong, but that also those that are in power and in leadership positions also understand that they need to take responsibility in belonging as well. So um, it's kind of a two-way street, right? And so uh, watch the film and then please suggest us suggest me to come to your school, your college, your workplace to spark a conversation about belonging. I got you. I'm going to be right there because the film changed my life. You have changed my life. And I know that the community that you've built around Project Enyu has changed a lot and that we think differently about ourselves and that we're going after bigger goals because now we feel affirmed in spaces that we never thought we could be. I want to say one, uh, one thing about you for yeah. one second. I think, and I, it's so important to make this point, is that, you know, we can, um, we can kind of exist as, like, self-aware people and read books and allow ourselves to be inspired by videos and by people, thought leaders and such. And then there's the people that take it to the next step and take action and try and try these new ideas and concepts out in their life and trust themselves enough to see what the result is. And I would put you in that category. And so I just want to acknowledge you for all your hard work and really being an example for your own children and all the other women that follow and look to you for leadership and mentorship. You know, you took the information, made it your own, and became the author that we needed you and um, that's no small potato and I just really want to acknowledge that publicly you did the work and you're doing the work and that's why we're having this conversation right now wow Denise thank you don't make me cry again (laughs) like you're my birthday present but like we need a drink if you're gonna make me (laughs) no I I I I am so grateful and I'm so humbled to know you and call you friend and mentor. I still bother you and tell you everything that's happening because I feel, I feel this not only deep connection um, that you understand the challenges that I go up against when I I'm, I'm pushing forward and doing the work. Um, there were many moments that I could say, honestly, that it took so much emotional bravery to keep pushing. Cause there were so many times I'm like, I'm going to quit. I'm just going to quit. I need someone to tell me I'm going to quit. And I remember those Q and a calls. You'll be, you'll laugh and you're like, you know, like eat something yummy and let's go at it again. Like, I, I don't remember exactly the words you use. Like you're like, what's, you, what's your drug of choice? And it happened to be Oreo cookies. Like, I'll eat the freaking uh-huh. bag and then I'll be back at it. Like, nothing. Uh, and it's funny because I think I joined one of your Facebook lives and my husband had uh-huh. bought, like, he had decked the freaking freezer with frozen margaritas because it was, like, such a bad week. And I'm, like, on the live, like, like 
sipping, like having way too much. I'm like, hi, Denise. Like, working Because I was like excited to see you still doing it. And I think when I look to you and see your motivation and strength, that's what makes me realize like I'm not alone in this. There's someone being the example. There's someone that's kind of went through what I'm going through. And I want our community to see that you're not alone. That's why there's people like you that are leaving the door open for us to continue pushing for and, and, and say, like, we could do this. That means a lot. Yeah, I think if we all just kind of vow to do that and we're honest about our journey, there's no stopping us, you know? So I appreciate that. Thank you. Oh, you're so welcome. And you know me, I keep it like really honest. The journey is incredibly rough at times and it feels sometimes lonely. But then those lonely moments are just like, they're so fleeting because you meet your tribe, you meet your people. There's so many people I have on speed dial that will know what's going on and they'll jump into to call. Like, I'll give you an example. I submitted uh, a book that I have, I know, I'm, I write a lot. I wrote something oh. and before I put, like, I, it's going through the pitching things and it's for older kids. Um, and what did I do? Reached out to people that I trust for, to be like my beta readers. And a lot of them I met because of you, Maida, oh. Iris, you know, Cole, Rita, like, I met my tribe because of you. And uh, some people I met because of different groups that I'm in. But that's what, it, and a lot of people say, this is great. This is great. You might want to rework this, but that's what it is. Someone there motivating you. And whoever's listening to the Inspiration Hour with Luz, just remember, you're not alone. You're going to find your tribe and they're going to help you keep going and believing in yourself. Because that's just the battle, believing in yourself. And then you could go after anything. Mm -hmm. And the thing about believing in yourself is you have to, it comes with taking action. And so you can't like, I don't know, you can't like think your way into believing yourself. You have to act your way. And it's, I'm not talking about thinking it to you until you make it. I'm talking about taking risks and doing scary stuff, um, big or small. But every single time you're bold, every single time you do something that's scary, you get a little bit more confident. And confidence has a compounding effect. And so the more you have, the more you have. And it makes it a little bit easier the next time. And so um, it's not, you can't think your way there, though. That's why it's important to be around people that will lift you up um, because we all need a cheering section, right? And we all need people that we can run next to um, so we can, you know, watch, cheer them on as they're running their race and be cheered on as we're running our own. That's beautifully said. Oh, my gosh. I can't believe this hour went so fast. I want to thank you again for being here with me, for celebrating my birthday by inspiring a a community of people so they know that they could go after whatever they hope for and dream of. But it starts with believing in themselves. And I'm just I'm just so honored to call you friend Denise. And I want to thank you so much for joining. 
You're welcome, and thanks for having me. And if there's anyone out there listening, if you have a big idea, I want you to know there's no, and if you're struggling with getting that big idea into something real, um, and you're Latina, I, I want to invite you to join us in a group called Supernatural, and it has an Enya, um, and then end of natural. Um, that's where you can find support. I'm actually going to be launching a masterclass in the group in two weeks. And very excited to be developing that community again of women that are here for each other, lifting each other up and making sure that we get the support we need. So thanks so much. Have a good night, everyone. God bless. All right. Bye-bye. That brings us to the end of our Inspiration Hour with Luz. And I hope you're feeling unstoppable. If you enjoy our show, please follow me on Instagram or Facebook at Luz Mac Official or check out my website at www.luzmac.com. Review, like, and heart us. And don't forget to spread the inspiration with others. And be sure to come back next week as I help you find your inspiration in the little things, one talk at a time. You're listening to Jerry Royce Live Worldwide Podcast. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.